Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore and I'm joined as I am every week by the good doctor, Scott Melson. Well, not every week, man. It's been it's, it's been, a been few weeks. it's been a minute since we've been uh, since we've been in, in front of the mic together. It has been. Well, welcome. It's good to be here is, together. Is it is it in front of the mic or behind the? It's in front of the mic, right? On the mic. On the mic. Hot mic. Yeah. Hot mic. And we are uh, we're live, right? Yeah, we're uh, we're actually streaming this live. So for the what's up world, the three people who may be watching this at home. Um, hi Bo. Hi uh, Evie. That's probably yeah, mom. <laughs> um, we uh, just did this. It was kind of a we record at various times of the day by taking vacation from work sometimes or adjustable schedules or weekends, um, often the evenings. Tonight, it's a little bit later than usual, and we thought, eh, why the hell not? And and we're both in Oklahoma on a Thursday for the first time in a couple weeks. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Where did you go? Were you in Texas, too? Uh, so I was in Texas, I think, the first time. And then I was there last week. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Something. But we did a couple of other, uh, we interviewed the Attorney yep. General, Mike Hunter. We yep. interviewed Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell um, at the donut shop. So, <laughs> And then and then full disclosure, you had the special episode with uh, Sabina and Carly from OK Policy. And last week, about 4 o'clock on Friday, we were both like, man, we're tired. Yeah, we didn't want to re- <laughs> record last week. So <laughs> we um, decided to take a week off. Yeah, but thanks to everybody. If you are watching at home, uh, oh, my dad is watching. Hello, Dad. Um, if you have comments or questions, please feel free. We have uh, the stream pulled up on Facebook and uh, also on Vimeo, if you happen to be watching there, uh, and we can see your comments. So I think I, I think we get comments on... Yeah, there's a... Oh, I'll enable chat on Vimeo. Look, you can chat on both. Um, excellent. So, uh, Scott, tonight is going to be mostly like just a really big news roundup. So... I'll go ahead and roll us into that. There it is, man. Yeah. So it's, I think, good that we took a week off last week because there's like a lot, man. Like, I was going to. Well, and, you know, last week we we said like it was kind of a quiet week, but really it wasn't. We just hadn't had time to really compile it all together. Yeah. And so this will be, you'll get a little bit of a a double dose this week, but a lot of this stuff is is fairly uh, fresh, as it were. So first up, um, there's an, a nice piece uh, from Nondoc uh, that features some quotes from Governor Stitt. The title here is that uh, uh, Governor Stitt says he would absolutely oppose a Medicaid expansion ballot initiative. Um, this so is on Nondoc, because yeah. did, didn't he actually say this on the News OK? He may have the article I've got here is from Nondoc. Let me uh, let me pull up and see. I, I confess that when I read the Nondoc article, I did not see if they were. I did not see if they were quoting him from News OK, but they may have been. Mm. Uh, nope, you're right, 100%. News OK, my bad. Sorry, now, Doc. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, guys. one of us read the articles. Hey, hey, <laughs> that's that's just that's just mean. So yeah, so go ahead. He, um, what? So what did he say? Yeah, so this is this is interesting. So this was Tuesday. Um, he said that he would actively discourage Medicaid expansion. Um, from uh, discourage vote he would discourage Oklahomans from voting for Medicaid expansion if it appears on the ballot and as I say this I realize that one of the things that happened last week yes. that we haven't talked about yes. is that there was a press conference last Friday late in the day uh, from uh, a couple of groups I don't right have they have the have the funders said who they are yet no. okay well there are some it funders was filed <laughs> on behalf of two individuals Aaron yes. Aaron Taylor was the one that I knew because she's um, been advocate for the um, individual's disability. Her child's on the disability waiting list and has been for like eight years. Yes. So 
um, there are there are some groups that are pushing a Medicaid expansion ballot initiative. So this will go. Uh, this is you know we've talked about ballot expansion a ballot and ex- we have talked about ballot initiatives at length here on the show. Um, you need 15% of the voters that voted in the last gubernatorial election. Uh, because turnout was so high this past year in 2018, I think that puts it at right around 170,000 signatures. 178. 178,000 signatures, which is significantly higher than the 135 that yeah. was required yeah. for uh, ballot initiatives prior to that. And they only have 90 days to get those signatures. They got 90 days to get those signatures. Um, and this is interesting because this is a ballot initiative that would do what's called full Medicaid expansion. So we've talked here on the show about how never go full Medicaid. <laughs> you know, we've we've talked about we've talked about how there are some plans being kicked around the legislature this year um, that would kind of expand Medicaid. They would put put some different put some kind of different plans together, ask the feds for a waiver to do Medicaid expansion in, in a little bit different way, a kind of Oklahoma specific way. Um, but this bill, this ballot initiative, that's not what this is. This would say. We're expanding Medicaid, the Medicaid program as it exists. We would expand it to anyone who is uh, an able-bodied adult. I think 133 percent of the poverty level or less. That sounds about right. I believe. Yes. Um, and so, uh, 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 if that were to, if that were to go on the ballot, I think there's a lot of people who feel really strongly that it would pass. Like that that would those the chances would be really good. And the legislature is somewhat like um, opposed to that, and apparently so is so is the governor. Well, I um, think the legislature doesn't like to doesn't like for the appearance that they're not doing their job, but the people are doing it for them, which is exactly I, which one is could argue would be happening. what's happening, <laughs> right. right? And so, uh, and so, also if if they if it goes to a ballot initiative, then it means that it gets passed, and then they have to come back and kind of massage it and actually make it fit into the right place which is what happened with like medical marijuana it is i think also i think i think they don't like the appearance that they're not doing their jobs i th- i do think though that they're that it's a true statement to say there are a lot of people at the capitol who do not want full medicaid expansion for a variety oh, yeah. a variety of reasons i think i think both are true but i think they also know that like medical marijuana is quite popular um and so in, indeed in every state where medical marijuana has been on the ballot it has passed and in every state oh, excuse me medicaid expansion every state where medicaid one, expansion really montana the good people of montana did not pass it uh, i thought it was every state but montana had some uh, extenuating circumstances um but everybody everywhere else even fairly conservative states now um what has happened in some of these conservative states is that medicaid expansion passes um, and then the legislature goes back and like tries to undo it, which does not, right, which, which is, does not sit super well. Um, I can imagine yeah. that people of Oklahoma would love that. Um, but this was this is interesting because this is the governor um, kind of saying, I think that, I think the governor Stitt when he was running, and since he's been in office, a lot of the things, a lot of the things he ran on, and a lot of the things he's accomplished, were popular with a large number of voters in the state. Maybe not a majority, but certainly. A lot, and I think in many cases a majority. This is really the first time I feel like he has come out and kind of taken a stand saying, like, no, this is something I would absolutely oppose. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't think right. it's a good idea, public opinion notwithstanding. Right. No, it was a it was a pretty bold stance. And it's interesting because that to me that he said that because he doesn't have the power to he just has the power of the of the bully pulpit or whatever, right? And he hasn't really used it yet. He's new and so we haven't seen him kind of we haven't we don't really know where he stands on these things it's all 
we knew with Governor Fallon pretty well, but with Governor Stitt, it's all a new day. And so for him to say, no, I'm against this, it's like, well, well, what if they pass something and it comes to you? And all he really said was that he's against a full expansion. Yeah, that's and that's a good point, right? So he says it w- he's against he's against what's called, uh, let's see, they they quote him here. He is against the, what's the called Oklahoma. straight Medicaid expansion, um, which is the term for Medicaid expansion that doesn't include any kind of worker training requirements. He says if that's what the language is, then he would absolutely tell voters to oppose it. He says that he's been studying ways to make Oklahoma a healthier state and improve health outcomes across the board. Been looking at other states that have expanded Medicaid to see what's working and what's not. Um, I will just tell you know, Governor, if you're if you're listening or if you have to be watching our live show while you uh, have dinner right now, um, what works is Medicaid expansion, and what doesn't work is lots of like training and work requirements. That's what the, that's what the data says. Just just so you know. Um, and I, I will give the governor some credit here. He says that he, you know, he doesn't have specific details right now, but he says, I do want to put together a plan that would improve health care. He says, you can't just say, no, don't vote for that. You have to say, here is a better way to do it. Which so, I thought was an important. That's a huge, I mean, that's a huge caveat. And I think, I think that, I think that to, I think that's to his credit. And I think that if he puts a plan out um, that people can compare, then I think, I think that's a great. I think that's I think yeah. that's how that's the way the government should work. So I agree. Um, if you want to hear more about this, check out News OK. Uh, I have no doubt that we'll be talking more about Medicaid expansion as uh, to see if they get the signatures. I uh, I have a hunch that they will. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I will say uh, as a, just a, an aside related to Medicaid expansion that that yesterday Wednesday was a uh, was the rally for coverage. At State Capitol, which we discussed last week on the show with Sabina um, and Carly. Scott, you spoke there. I did. Um, I, did I, not, brought, I brought the words. I did not. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard it. I, I wonder if I can go back online and watch it. I didn't get to. I wasn't there when you spoke. You you, you can because uh, you weren't there and, and my wife wasn't there. And <laughs> I was just it was just me. I'll I'll print out, I'll print, <laughs> print out a screenshot and mail it to you or something like. No, you can you can watch it. Uh, you can watch it online. And uh, to my lovely to my lovely wife, uh, she had a, an important meeting at work that she uh, was not able to miss. And that's uh, well, that's the hard truth about doing advocacy work is that it occurs during work hours for the rest of us too. Right? No, totally, totally. I mean, I, I had to. I mean, they, you know, the okay, pol- the folks from okay, okay policy asked me if I would um, say a few words, and I said absolutely. But I mean, I had to, you know, I was at the morning that I wasn't in clinic, right? Like that, right. you had to move stuff around. Yeah, I looked at my my PTO balance uh, this morning and noted that it is much lower than it typically is um, because I've taken off a lot of time to go to the capital um, for things like that. That's Not so important. much this year, but all right. Well, let's move on to uh, our next item. Is Wayne Green does the math on everything this yes is from the Tulsa world Scott this is one of yours it is so um, this is a great piece Wayne is the uh, editorial page editor at uh, at the Tulsa world and he's got this great series Wayne Green does the math um, where he kind of goes through he goes through like budget proposals or he goes through certain agencies and programs and really says like what is this like what does this mean in terms of money what does this mean in terms of you know like teachers classroom funding all, all of these sorts of things it's a really great series you can read any of his articles in about three to four minutes so i really suggest you check it out um this most recent one focuses on the prison system so for instance andy did you know that as of 2016 um i think you did know that oklahoma is number one in the world for uh, incarceration i did uh do you know where we sit as compared like compared to the national average we're the highest well yes but do you would you would you would you know by how much a lot yeah double um 112 percent 
Uh, no. I like that I stumped you on that. Well, you're way off. It's much closer to 200%. Son of a bitch. Yes. <laughs> so we incarcerate 1,079 1, people per 100,000 adults. The national average is 600 per 100,000 adults. So we're almost double. Um, if we were just at the national average, that means Oklahoma would have 15,327 fewer people in prison. And we would save, conservatively, $100 million a year. Okay, I, I just want to recap two of those numbers that I'm choking on 15,000 fewer people that doesn't that doesn't mean zero people that just means 15,000 less than Than there are now right than the tens of thousands that are currently incarcerated in Oklahoma and we would save a hundred million dollars hundred million dollars a year and now that is that's just what we would like that's basically the teacher pay raise this year yeah. Plus a bunch of buses. Yes. Like that's textbooks. Hundred hundred percent. I mean that's <laughs> like and that's and the thing is that's when I said it's a conservative that's a conservative estimate. Um that's not even counting like let's say like let's say that you took those fifteen thousand people, right, and you gave them all jobs mm-hmm. at the state average hourly wage. Okay. Okay. Yes. That would be like an additional five hundred million dollars so of like for, taxable like GDP. So potentially like a six hundred million dollar boost. Yeah, that's more. That's a half a billion dollars. Yeah, that's a lot of yeah money. That's what it's costing us to keep people in jail. Well, somebody should fix that. Uh, well, I, that's where can we add that to our list? I will point out that. The um, frequent friend of the pod and guest Bo Broadwater just texted me. And yes, indeed, I am stuffed up this evening. If you're watching at home and I sound a little funny, hey. whatever allergies have been affecting the, Thanks, enti- the entire state have uh, affected it. me as well. And I'm, oh, hello. Uh, I'm on the tail end of this, I believe. I'm hoping it clears up before Sunday because I'm running the half marathon. <laughs> Dude, you've been on the tail end of it for like three weeks. No, this has only been two weeks because it started when I was in Dallas. Oh, this is a different one. Yeah, okay. I had that other one before, and that <laughs> one lasted like a good solid six weeks. This one's uh, a quick one. It's just been two weeks, and it really wasn't bad the first week. This week, poof, came on. Dude, being sick's the worst. No, I appreciate you as a physician uh, fielding my text messages like, of like... If only you knew a doctor. That's right, yeah. If only I worked <laughs> in an infectious disease clinic, perhaps. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on. So, uh, number three, uh, cheers from Bo. Um, G- Governor Stitt signs a bill to prohibit cities. Oh, this is the ban on bans. Yes, this is the ban ban. This is, yes, um, banning cities from taxing plastic bags and other containers. So this uh, essentially is that the the state. So he signed it. So his name's on it. But I I I rest blame on the legislature for this one. In our state, uh, yes. our state loves small government. We don't want the federal government in our business, right? We don't want them down here. Just stay out. Of, we need to. We need local control here. Just leave us alone. But then, when one level down, when the cities are like, "No, we want to ban plastic bags because they're bad for the environment," which is like, I've known that since I was a child, right? Yeah, and, right. Like we've all seen pictures of like the dolphins and the whales, yes, right? right? Birds with the yeah six pack thing around yeah. their neck. That's that. So, so if cities want to do it. This is, again, not the first time, but the state coming in and being like, we want local control, but not that local, just this like state-level local. You cities, you don't know what you're doing, and so they're trying to prevent cities. They have prevented cities. They've put a ban on cities banning plastic bags. We want local control with which we agree. That we have control over. Yeah. 
Yeah. But no, they so, also but they they banned bands. Yeah, right. So like and well and they banned like doing thing, right? It's like so you can't raise the minimum wage, right? Like Oklahoma City oh, they or did Tulsa that too. Yeah. can't have a higher minimum wage than the rest of the state. And like, you know, uh, so this is uh, by Senator Lee but Wright, who's from Bristow. With could you not say would you not say, Scott, that this is a government overreach? Um <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't say that it's an overreach because I think it's something that the state legislature clearly has the power to do. Well, I think it's and so I don't think this is I don't think this is like so I think of government overreach as like government trying to assert authority that it doesn't have. And I think uh, that that's a different definition than. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm interpreting overreach as government asserting power. Which it has the authority to do, but it shouldn't. On some, yeah, I call that stupid shit. Well, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, it's like because that's an it's uh, it's not objective. It's an individual interpretation of what <laughs> yeah. should. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, and, like this is so. This is I think this one of the things that frustrates me about this, frustrates me about this bill, right? Is that like it's and maybe you could say it's government overreach in that. The justification is like this is us trying to protect you from yourselves, right? So, like Senator Lee Wright, who's from Bristow, he's a Republican from Bristow, a state senator, um, says that the the reason for this is because uh, it is a it's a protection against overregulation. It supports manufacturing jobs and consumer freedom, right? And so we can't let cities like Oklahoma City, you know, hurt themselves or hurt the state by you know wanting to like regulate this stuff. And this, you know, the kind of the same argument that you hear for things like raising the minimum wage. Well, we can't let Oklahoma City raise the minimum wage. That's going to like drive out jobs. Right. Like, well, if it does, that's like on us, right? right. <laughs> like, that's on our city and the companies that choose or don't choose to locate in our municipality. Um, and so, I, 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 I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I think this is actually more ideological than it is. Um, I think it's more ideological than it is really um, philosophical or principled. Um, I mean, just look at the next sentence here. Some 16 states, including Texas, have already adopted uniformity of commerce laws like SB uh, 1001. I would ask the question, have they adopted laws like it or have they adopted the same law? Right. That's like music we don't have. Is this a piece of I mean, I, I um, because uh, the legislature um, legislators are not required to disclose like who requests their bills or who writes their bills um representative colin walkie had a bill that he ran that failed that would have required that it's a topic for another day um but i would if if i was a betting man i would bet that this is a piece of model legislation that is being run in state legislatures around the country um by some pretty specific interest groups perhaps people that make plastic bags perhaps Uh, (laughs) um, perhaps the um, the petroleum companies so i think well they actually phrased it and said that that it would make it too complicated for like taxes and all this stuff. I'm like, people aren't that dumb. Like, right. if you just can't have plastic bags, you can have plastic bags. I don't understand. Right. Well, and I feel like, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I feel like there's a lot of people now who are explicitly like requesting not to use those bags. Yeah. Like my, the, my, like, my wife is one of those. Yeah. I mean, so we're the we, same way, we right? Keep, we keep um, reusable bags. I keep them in the back of the car and I f- perpetually forget them. Um, we we have reusables. We often um, we often wind up with paper, uh, which we then recycle. Um, so that was my question: is on the whole, well, I don't think we have data for this, but let's say that we banned all plastic bags in the United States, 
and only used paper again, which is like what we did when we were children. And no, no dolphins would ever die. No, but is that worse for the environment because of the number of trees that would be? So I don't, murdered? I don't have, I don't have the, I don't have the data on that. I know you like, don't. That's at what I'm asking my, you. What do you at think? my fingertips. Well, if you will let me finish, but I know that data exists, and there was recently an article that I flagged to read, but I have not yet read that was making that case, um, and it was making the case that. Um, that uh, paper bags are actually worse for the environment mm-hmm. um, because of the energy required to recycle them and because of right. the... You gotta uh, cut it down, chop it up, blend it up, right. make the bag. Like the creation of the bag, the number of trees that you right. uh, lose and the uh, 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 energy required to then recycle that paper bag, assuming right. that's what happens. Right. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm going to read that article and see if I can bring you that answer. But I have long wanted to take all the plastic bags that we acquire and chop them up then use them as the fiber of like a like for with the fiberglass resin and like yeah. make it into furniture. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're really if you're really gonna like get after this, like, like if you you're really gonna get after this over problem, that, like, that's cool. I mean, that is cool. That is, <laughs> is a cool idea. But I think you'd have to have a lot of bags, <laughs> like like a bunch. Um, but I think I think if you were really gonna try and address this problem, you would probably what you'd get after is like you'd get after all of the non reusable containers, right? Like you would basically say everybody is supposed to bring your own grocery bags. Um, how's that going to go over in these United States? Uh, well, not not well. That's true. That's but I true. think I think though I think in other countries that's actually quite common, right? Like you go to the grocery store and you you bring your own container, right? Like you bring right. your grocery bag and you carry your groceries home in your grocery bag. Well, um, and some stores will charge like a nickel extra to to use a plastic bag. It's and, and I or you save a nickel if you use a reusable or whatever. But and so I wonder like what the actual carbon footprint anyway this is a whole other podcast it's interesting too though because we also have i think pretty unique grocery buying habits in the u.s like there's right like we tend like i know a lot of families will go like a big grocery run like twice a month right like that's what like and when i was a kid like my mom would go periodically but like every month and i know this because i had to go with her we had like we had our monthly like big grocery run where we went to Crest in Midwest City with the first Crest, and we always had coupons, and I had to keep all the coupons organized, and that was where we did like our big like this month, right. like our big grocery run, and then periodically we'd pick up stuff that we need. Right. Um, whereas I think in in other countries it works more where like you might like walk home from work on Monday, walk by the grocery store, and buy groceries for Monday and Tuesday. Right. Right. And then you do that again like on Wednesday. Right. Like we tend I think to buy in bulk more. Right. And so this becomes a much bigger problem when you do that. Oh, because it's it feels more substantial. Yeah, and you can't, you just can't carry a month's worth of groceries. And yeah, that's true. That's funny. So I, growing up, uh, we'll take a brief um, wander here. Sidetracked on yeah, memory right. lane. Um, when I was growing up, my dad was paid um, bi-monthly um, for my early childhood, and then we moved to Minnesota, the land of ten thousand lakes, and he got paid monthly. And I remember it being a big shift for my mom and how she budgeted groceries. And she's like, oh, we got we to gotta go once a month. And so the first month, the whole family went. We had two carts that were full. And she had made a like a menu plan for the whole month. And the grocery store up there was like Sam's where they had free samples. And so my dad and I like had one cart that was full while my mom and sister like were off filling the other cart. I did the samples at Sam's were the And best. we just like hung out and my dad's like, go get some pizza <laughs> go get the ice cream cone and so nice. i just like run i'm like can i have two and come back and give him one and just kept doing that and then we bought all this food and my dad's like i don't know where we're going to store all this and oh, so, you guys didn't you didn't deep freeze uh, no just outside no uh, but yeah outside freezer though 
right? No, it's Minnesota. He just throwed in the backyard. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. The, was, the wolves didn't get it. No, no, not in the not in Cottage Grove. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're so far gone. In the burbs. All right, let's. Uh, so uh, next up is uh, Michigan. Ooh. This is from the Detroit Hot the Detroit Diggity. Free Press. How are we going to bring this home? Uh, to answer that question, ladies and gentlemen, Andy Moore. Well, I'll tell you. So this is a. a, a Loosely connected story. This is important, though. So a few weeks ago, we had an episode about redistricting with our intern, Megan. and Megan uh, Vunderberg. Funder, yes, indeed. Yeah. No V, but a couple Fs in there. Isn't it? Funder. Funder. Oh. Funderburg, yes. Dutch? F. I don't know. Oh. Um, I'll have to ask her. She, she, Oklahoma Baptist? I don't know. <laughs> Shawnee. Um, so, uh, although she grew up in Midwest City also, so... Anyway, um, so Michigan, um, they passed independent redistricting last year, I believe, um, up there. But the last time that it was redistricted was, of course, you know, almost 10 years ago. And there's been a lawsuit by the uh, League of Women Voters up there, so nonpartisan um, group, that several of the districts were gerrymandered. And indeed, the Supreme Court uh, of the state of Michigan upheld that. And it said that, yes, indeed, uh, these districts were improperly drawn. And so not only do they have to go back and redraw them, they're going to have to um, have a special Senate election in next year, in 2020. It wouldn't be due until 2022. So this has huge implications, right? This is one of the first, like, big um, results we've had in one of these lawsuits. And certainly they will appeal it. It'll go to the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, whether or not they hear it, we don't know. But for right now, it is um, a really big deal that they're going to have to require, uh, yeah, a, another statewide election for a. It's really just for these districts to redraw them, but you can't just redraw certain districts because they touch other districts, and so it's going to have to be a whole new deal. Again, so I will say this is why we are bringing up this issue repeatedly, so that uh, listeners and voters talk to your friends tell them that there's two options for how we draw our district maps, right? For congressional districts, U.S. Senate districts, and then state um, House and Senate districts. There's two ways to draw them. One is the way we do it now, where we let the parties draw it. And the party in power always draws it so that they stay in power, right? Like they draw what is most convenient. That's why we've done it for a long time. You don't think they do a great job? I think they do a great job in their <laughs> eyes, right? And it it, it regardless of which party's in power is how they do it, right? Hundred percent. And so they they it's sometimes they just fall victim to trends of movement of of people. Uh, but yeah, so we can do it the way we've been doing it, where we let the parties draw it, or we can put it in the hands of the people. We can make an independent commission that is made up of you know a, a third of the largest party, a third of the next largest party, and a third of everybody else. And then that committee comes together, presents the plans, shares the data shares all the data with the public so that you and I can make our own maps. We can submit it. Maybe we make a better map than they do, right? But the children in the Iraq who don't That's, have maps. Th this is not about Iraq. This is about Oklahoma. Do you get the reference? No. Oh. I'm, no, I'm too set on um, making sure that we have good maps here. Miss America, like 2003 or four or something. Oh, oh, yeah. yes. I, I just, no. Sorry, you were you were preaching and I derailed you. Indeed. I had a good point there. <laughs> and you took it away. 
<laughs> All right, uh, we'll move on. Anyway, no, no, that's a, I, it's, I a, it's a good article about redistricting and the implications of it. And I guarantee if we don't do something about redistricting in Oklahoma, uh, and I think we will, but if we don't, we're going to be in the same boat where we're going to have lawsuit after lawsuit. And this is coming, right? So since this is next year, um, data comes to 2021, redistricting occurs in late 2021, early 2022. So in the next three years, this is going to be our reality in, in much other states. And if we don't do it right, then we're going to pay for it with actual tax dollars for a long time and probably mess things up. I mean, I think that's I think that's a, that's a valid point. I think the only the only pushback I would give is not on whether or not we should have an independent redistricting commission because I I do think that we should. I think that one of the problems we run it, we run into is thus far the Supreme Court has declined to say that you can't do this, right? Like the, right, Supreme, the Supreme Court seems to think that this is an appropriate exercise of political power, and they, or I should say, the Supreme Court would say that there's nothing in the Constitution that says that you can't do this. But so just if because states, you can doesn't mean it's right. No, a hundred percent. But the reason the reason that matters so much is because if we want to see this change in Oklahoma, we can't rely on a Supreme Court decision, probably, that's been brought by like some other state, right? No, we gotta like, do it for like, ourselves. Like we have to do it for ourselves. And if you want like if you want this crap to stop, right? Like if you want and it's not just it's not just the way that we govern. Like this has this has to do with primaries. It has to like this impacts so many things. Like if you want to see this this nonsense stop where people who like shouldn't have a chance in a general election win the primary, right? Or the people that should win the general election have no chance in a primary. And this happens on both sides of the aisle. Then things like independent redistricting are what we need. Right. Like that's how, like that's how we get to a future. It, it's not, it doesn't fix everything, how we fix but it's, this. it's part of, it's, it's, it is part of a few. <laughs> Now my point has been hijacked. Like <laughs> it's part of how we get to a future where our politics and our government work again, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. as opposed to being just like entrenched and constantly cycling like towards the next election. Come on. But anyway, Come all right. On. So uh, this this uh, this next article is absolutely hilarious. This is also this is also one of uh, and this is a peach that Andrew added to our list. I uh, shared this in a at a board meeting with a different organization um, from from News OK. Yeah, with uh, yeah. So, I saw this story today. I don't know how we missed this. I don't. Did it come out today? So, and um, I heard a little bit about it yesterday, and then forgot to add it to our like Slack chat. But nice. So the uh, the headline is two Oklahoma county officials trade accusations. And so I will tell you and and our listeners that right off the bat, I had a hunch about who one of these people were. No. And I was right. No. It was indeed Kevin Calvey, <laughs> um, former House rep and now uh, Oklahoma County Commissioner Kevin Calvey. And, but I wasn't sure who the other one was, and I wondered if it was one of his fellow county commissioners. But indeed, no. It was the uh, county sheriff, P.D. Taylor. Yep. So they've been feuding for a few weeks, right? You may remember that um, Calvi brought in an entourage and was going to, like, audit the jail. Um, he was not allowed to do that. But then subsequently they discovered that they had lost a few people in the jail that had been there for months and had never gone to court or anything. It wasn't great. So, like, he, he kind of did it with some pomp and circumstance and he probably shouldn't have. But also he was right in that there were things that were missing. So like that was a little vindicating, I think to his camp. 
so this, they're arguing about how money is spent. Um, Commissioner Calvi um, postulates that the sheriff is misspending money, in, in uh, Commissioner Calvi's opinion. And quote, he says, he is grossly misspending money on other things, such as patrolling the whole county. Meaning, the sheriff, um, who's charged with, yes, um, running the jail, but also patrolling the county, right? All, all of it. <laughs> all the county. All the whole county. All like and however so, many like hundreds of thousands of square miles of it. And so or tens of thousands. I don't know how big it yeah. is. And so it was just funny that like he's like, well, he's spending fourteen million of this not in the jail, and he's misspending it patrolling the whole county. And I was like, that's things like having deputies around the whole county. And that's <laughs> just, just who'd have thought that the. I'm, sh- I'm sure that there was more to the quote, but that was all that was in the story, and I just thought it was funny. Well, and this that if if I was Commissioner Calvi, and that was the quote, I'd be well, I I would be pissed. I don't know if Calvi is, but I'd just be like, listen, there's more to this. I'm just, but on the surface, I think for the average Oklahoma voter to read that and be like, oh, he's mad that the sheriff was patrolling the county. Well, and the reason it might matter, so the sheriff's like response to this whole. Uh, kerfuffle if you will his quote he's got to make a big splash because he's running for u.s congress right end quote because calvi is indeed rumored to be one who might throw his hat into the ring the for congressional district five operative word is rumored he has run twice before unsuccessfully really uh yes he says he is not running for congress now, now. operative word now, now. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if uh, we're we're gonna get to the congressional uh, the Oklahoma's fifth congressional district race. We'll get to that here in a minute. But um, yeah, just go on go on the Oklahoma and uh, our newsok.com and read this article about the county commissioner meeting. It reads like an episode of like I don't know like Days of Our Lives or something. It's, it, it's, it's a short article, but it was real funny. Just you know the phrase that all politics is local never ceases to amaze me with stuff like this, where it's just like yeah, but it's so true. It's so true, but it's just like it's like. You know what it's like. It's like when I was a kid, and I would read in the local paper. They would, they would post, they would print all the like police reports, like all the calls that week. The police blotter. Yes, but it's like that just on the county level. But it's 2019, and these are adults. Are we not? This isn't like uh, a strange man in the alley behind your house. These are elected officials that are accusing other other elected officials of doing their job. They say. uh, School boards and city councils, it's where 90% of the governing that really matters happens. It's definitely true. Who said it? Who said it? Leslie Nope. Jeb Bartlett. Oh, okay. Well, a different TV show then. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag West Wing. I I am thinking of Leslie Nope today. Since Joe Biden threw his hat in the ring, I'm sure the fictitious character is rejoicing somewhere. He's precious cargo. (laughs) That's right, precious cargo. So uh, the next story is also from News OK, that a lawsuit claims Oklahoma... FSAA director threatened farmers. I didn't read this at all. We are. Oh, um, is this about this is Biggs? This, this is, is about this, this is your buddy Biggs, former representative Scott Biggs. Scott Biggs. Yeah, you. What do you mean you didn't read it? I did read it. I, I just, was like, I specifically asked you if you read it. I apologize. I didn't <laughs> get the acronym. What does FSAA stand for? Uh, I that I Future don't know the answer to. Spacesuits and armors. Well, you talk. Give me a minute. And I'll tell you. All right, well, so this article basically is about um, uh, former House, Oklahoma House Rep Scott Biggs, who arguably single-handedly stalled all criminal justice reform measures for a number of years. Um, he's a former DA. He's a, 
He's a, uh, a crime and punishment kind of guy. And he would stall bills or stop bills for reasons that I get that were good in his mind, but I feel like he inhibited the greater good. Um, so he left to go work for the Trump administration doing something. Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. I want to say it was at the USDA, actually. look and see. But anyway, so he left uh, last year, and um, and I don't think anyone knew that he was back in Oklahoma, but now he works for the Oklahoma Farm Bureau? Yes, and so he was... Uh, no, so FSA is the State Farm Service Agency. That's FSA. So not even the Farm Bureau, something yeah, else. The State Farm Service Agency, and so this is... Uh, essentially what this is is he is being accused of unlawfully threatening farmers and blocking a billion dollar industry from taking root in oklahoma uh, this is specifically has to do with the planting of industrial hemp which is a uh. a big um uh, a big topic of discussion right now because uh this may or you, you may or may not know this but um <laughs> oklahoma's agricultural climate is actually kind of like ideally suited to growing hemp we spend a lot of time and a lot of resources and a lot of money trying to make, especially the western half of the state, uh, suitable for other kinds of agriculture, where it's where it can be very successful if you have like a lot of irrigation and whatnot. But the hemp plant, my I'm not a farmer myself, but my understanding is that the hemp plant actually would grow quite well in Oklahoma's kind of natural like soil and climate. And so this is potentially like a, I mean, this is an industry that could, could be, be in the, like in the billions of dollars. Um, and, uh, and we anyway, need to diversify uh, ap- our, apparently revenue. a former, uh, Senator or representative. Who? What was he? Biggs. What was he? Representative. Yeah. Uh, he apparently told the farmers that if they were to like, if they were to, um, take part in the industrial hemp program that the legislature has enacted, they could lose their existing loans um, from the uh, farm service agency. And they could potentially even like face criminal charges because the FSA operates under the USDA. So because it's a federal program and cannabis is illegal to federal level and hemp is grown from the cannabis plant. That's so bananas. Um, and this is like, this is an, this is an interesting issue because like Eccles, right? Senator or uh, representative Eccles, who's yeah. the floor leader um, in the house is basically like, um, and, and he is a huge proponent of industrial hemp in Oklahoma. Dude. He's like, Biggs has no like authority to make this kind of a determination. So it's really, it's really interesting. I mean, it's an, it's an interesting it's an interesting spat between two, a former member of the House Republican Caucus and a current member of the House Republican Caucus. Interesting. All right, we've got about 10 minutes left, and we've got two important topics plus some announcements. The first one. What, is, what, what does that, that music mean? I'm going to turn it way up. Uh, uh, long-time listeners of the show <laughs> will know what that... You know, Scott Pruitt, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Um... We do. We have a we have a Pruitt watch for you today. If uh, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, our first article uh, regarding former Attorney General for the State of Oklahoma and EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt um, is uh, from the Indiana Star. The Indiana Star um, it's reported about a week ago that Mr. Pruitt uh, described as quote the embattled former administrator of the U.S. EPA. Uh, registered as a lobbyist in Indiana. In the state of Indiana. In the state of Indiana. Um, they said it is unclear what exactly Mr. Pruitt is working on or who he is meeting with, but he has ties to the <laughs> Indiana coal industry. 
Shocking. Uh, so the star did some looking into his company and found ties to a couple of the state's large coal producers, the Indiana Coal Council. And apparently this has to do with a plan in Indiana to uh, try and shut down Indiana's coal-fired power plants. Which had already been shut down. Well, now you're getting to the... You're, you're, you're getting at... You're, you're, you're like throwing the punchline before you finish the joke. That's, it's so... <laughs> like, it, you can't even get there because it's... It, that, that's the point, right? It was a done deal and he came in and was like, I can get these uh, to stay open. Yeah, so they... so they Anyway, there's there's an effort to shut these, these, uh, these coal-fired power plants down and so when the star was like investigating this, they went to the Speaker of the House in Indiana and said like, hey, uh, Scott Pruitt, seems like he's around here. Is he working on coal um and the this the speaker of the house said uh, quote my advice when i was asked that uh if it was a productive interaction was it's too late apparently they have some great facts those facts should have been shared perhaps before the bill was voted on and defeated so i don't see it coming back no yes. uh, so we uh that was that was our initial story and then there was then there was an update from the ap and this was yesterday uh, saying EPA ex EPA chiefs ex EPA chief Pruitt's Indiana lobbying bid has likely failed, right. and uh, indeed, 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 it, it seems to have. So uh, it looks like he was lobbying for about a week or so after the bill had already been voted on. I hope that uh, I mean I don't know I don't know if those are billable hours or not. But so I heard a stat the other day that if you had to guess, and I'll I'll ballpark it, I'll give you. Plus or minus twenty thousand. How many coal workers are there in the United States? Plus or minus twenty thousand. Yeah. I'm gonna say forty thousand. All right. So Google says fifty. Um, if you were gonna guess how many solar panel installers there are in the United States. Do I get the same ball, the same uh, plus or minus? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say a hundred thousand. That that's the number that I had heard as well. Um, is that there were a roughly a hundred and twenty thousand, hundred to hundred twenty thousand, and so it was, it's just funny to me that for an industry that that we all know is dying for a variety of reasons, um, health, economy, um, uh, ecology, those reasons that the director of the EPA, former director of the EPA is still going, trying to like prop this up. And I, my heart goes out to families and, and people who live in coal mining towns that that's their, you know, my brother-in-law is from West Virginia and that's a big deal out there. Um, but it's just not where the world is going, right? Like we, we have more knowledge now about where it's going. And so you gotta, you gotta make a, make a change. Work is work and you gotta find a job, but, um, it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough to be, you know, I, I have a lot of um, I do I feel a lot for people who are in who in, who are in industries that are you know slowing down or going away and it's like if you're if you're a fifty year old coal miner who's fifteen years away from retirement like do you retrain for another job or Working do you like put right like do you put all your like do you keep all your eggs in that basket I mean I don't, I don't know what you do right well if that's like, all that's in your town you know right um so I and especially when you look at some of the communities like West Virginia right like is one of the you know, West Virginia is one of the one of the states in the country that has um, a huge a huge population of coal miners. But Oklahoma, there's significant coal mining activity in Oklahoma. Really? Um, yeah, I think in uh, southeastern Oklahoma. Oh yeah, McAllister yeah. has yeah. that huge. I have a picture in front of that giant yeah, lump right? of coal. Like, yeah, like, like the largest lump of coal ever discovered in America. You know, so um, 
a lot of those are communities that are communities that are hurting in a lot of ways, not just from the loss of like economic act- economic activity that comes with the slowdown in in coal. Yeah. So, um, All right, I don't well, know. We don't we don't have the answer, but um, but neither does Scott Pruitt apparently. So, <laughs> uh, our last uh, our last item tonight. So this is arguably we saved it for last, and we don't have a whole lot of time. But this is arguably. I mean, in some ways, this is the biggest news of the week because it's going to be a story we're going to be talking about for the next 18 months. Uh, yesterday, State Senator Stephanie Bice, Republican of kind of Deer Creek, Edmond area, northwest Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. uh, declared that she is challenging. Uh, well, she's entering the race. She's not she's not challenging her yet because she hasn't won the primary, but she is entering the race uh, for the Republican nomination uh, to challenge uh, Congresswoman Kendra Horn Indeed. to represent Oklahoma in Congress. Uh, Oklahoma's fifth congressional district. Andy, what are your uh, what are your thoughts, reaction to this? Uh, two thoughts. First of all, we haven't ever had Stephanie on the show yet. She's come to some of our our capital crawls and stuff. I know, and she's I think a, a friend of our organization. I've known Stephanie since before she was in office. Um, it, it just for, as an outside observer on the Twitterverse, I feel like her announcement. Um, made not quite the splash that I think she was hoping for. Um, it was it's and again Twitter as as our friend <laughs> that we don't know Nate Silver would say um that uh, the the response on Twitter is not necessarily reflective of, of the voting base, but it seems like some of the the majority of responses were somewhat negative towards her running uh, not because she's running but because of the tone of her initial announcement, right? So it it's and it was carefully worded, and if you read through it, again, everyone's going to have their hot take, and, I, and I'll try to like read it as as plainly as you can. It said, like, we need to basically defeat Kendra Horn. I've got it pulled up right here. Okay, read it. So she said on her Twitter account, she said, I'm proud to be part of Oklahoma's turnaround and my record tackling big problems with conservative solutions that grow our economy. Washington can learn from Oklahoma, but to end the Pelosi majority, we have to flip the fifth. I'm in. Who's with me? Biceforcongress.com. So that was her. Okay, so let me address that real quick. So I think um, people bumped on the fact that she said flip the fifth, which is what Kendra used. No one's got a trademark on that. Um, I would say the fact that it's only been on the opposite party for like five months doesn't really make for a flip back, but I... I get that it's good wording and you got to use it. Um, I reclaim the fifth. That's probably more of a accurate description, but it, that doesn't seem ring Take to it. it. Back. Right. <laughs> um, and then are you pulling up her like press release basically? Yeah. Um, so the press release says something like um, uh, to, to defeat Nancy Pelosi and and her so yeah so her her press release says Washington is seized by gridlock and runaway spending and a Democratic House majority that has embraced socialist policies and big government solutions in Congress I'll do what I've done in Oklahoma tackle big problems head on and work to deliver conservative solutions that grow our economy for hardworking Oklahoma taxpayers we can't have a representative who answers to Nancy Pelosi and a far left socialist agenda okay so here's so a bunch of that is in, in my opinion like boilerplate like Republican stuff, right? Like so um Washington gridlock, people on both sides of the aisle complain about that, right? Like every candidate says, Oh, I'm gonna defeat Washington gridlock. No one's done it for hundreds of years. That's the way it is. But it's great to run on. Um there's general like um boo Democrat, boogeyman, like big government, lots of spending, those things that the 
every Republican candidate will say about Democrats. Um, and then, but that last line that a candidate who, who are a person who answers to Nancy Pelosi and her socialist left-wing agenda, the, the part about that, like, I, I totally understand why Stephanie would use that language, right? Because that's the language you need to appeal to your base. And, and it's not untrue, right? So Nancy Pelosi. No, it is, it is untrue, though. Well, it is untrue. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. But Thank you. I'll say the first part, it, there's two parts of that, that sentence, right? So the first part is that Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. And as such, um, arguably everyone kind of answers to her to some degree, right? Like she's the. Yeah. If you're a member of the House of Representatives, you answer right. her. So the rest of the delegation, Mark Wayne Mullen and, and Lucas and, and all those guys answer to her as well. However, Kendra being the only Democrat from Oklahoma, she answers to her perhaps more directly. Um, and so, but she's still her own person. So like, yes, she's of that party. The second part and of Pelosi's socialist left-wing agenda, are, and this is getting into the weeds, arguably Pelosi is not the farthest left socialist in the U.S. Congress, right? Like, yeah, I mean, not, this not is like, like boogeyman, uh, like Bernie Sanders, AOC, those kind of things. Right. Like, I, and I would even say not even arguably, like, it's just true that she's not. Now, I and will when say you talk about socialist agenda, the agenda that has been like none of the items that have been like proposed by people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the actual like socialists, <laughs> none of those things have been brought up for a vote in the U.S. House. And as far as I know, none of them will be. Right. So like, well, I guess like one, like, I mean, what struck me about this is like, this was a very, like, to me, to me, two things. One. So this press release talking about the race that she's trying to run, like never mentioned her opponent. Right. Like she's actually, well, because, because she's as not, you said, she's, I mean, one, she's not her opponent yet. Right. Right. But, she has to run for the primary first and before she ever gets right. to fight you got to like fight the little boss before you fight the big boss right. like in every video game but it said it was to me i mean i guess i look at political announcements like this in in a in like kind of are you doing and if i can summarize it if i can if i can kind of uh I'm trying to think of the best word here are you trying to are you in trying to be are you trying to inspire people to vote for you mm are you trying to make people afraid of something else? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to me, this is a release that's trying to make people afraid of something else. Mm-hmm. And that can work as a political tactic. Sure. Um, and it often works as a political tactic. Fear is very motivating. Um, people do it on both sides. But like, I don't know. It's, I mean, I guess, right? Like, All right. So uh, let's do it this way. Let's, we'll both do this. Um, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being terrible, t- or, excuse me, one being terrible, 10 being the best. Um, how would you rate this announcement um, as a Republican and as a Democrat? Um, I mean, I think if you're a Democrat, I think you look at this and you're just like, seriously? Like, I think that's that's the reaction that I so heard which, from Democrats. What's like, your number? On a one out of ten. I mean, uh, I, I think that at least based on my, my Twitter feed, the Democratic response has been overwhelmingly like zero, one. Like, I would have said three or four. Really? Yeah. It could have been way worse. She could have – she didn't go – I like guess maybe I misunderstood. Yeah, I guess maybe I misunderstood. Like, what do you like? What a zero is. I mean, like, if you're well, first of all, I said one to ten. Zero well, was on the scale. But if you want to be particular, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay, to your point, like that's probably that's 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 probably fair. That's probably fair. And in in, in terms of like Republican response, I mean, I, I think it's been varied. Like again, on my Twitter feed, that I saw Republicans that were like 
I mean, I saw Republican representatives that and Republican senators that were like, you know, hell yes, like saddle up, let's do this. But um, were they state level folks? Because some of that is like friendship, right? Yeah. So, so I'm a friend of the pod, Greg McCourtney from Ada. Yeah. I know him and Senator Bison yeah. close. And, yeah. And um, and I totally get it. So he right. had a positive response. But I, I, he, his tweet does not necessarily indicate his personal analysis of sure. the, how good or bad well, I guess, politics like, I guess, were. okay, I guess if you're asking me, like, if you're asking me as a democrat or a republican like how do i rate the politics of it then yeah i think the democrats would probably say like three or four like okay that's definitely going to appeal to some people but she's not running in, in rural oklahoma she's running in the metro so that's an important right? distinction so that's, a, that's yeah. a huge distinction yeah. right i think that when you look at she so she's using um kevin stitt's campaign team right so right, from so she from indiana. indiana so she hired the same consulting group that kevin stitt used which on the one hand you'd be like i mean Everybody said this race was a toss-up, and I mean, Governor Stitt won in an, I think, an overwhelming, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say a landslide, but like certainly a decisive victory. There wasn't anything close about it. Mm-hmm. But she's she's running for an office that is largely centered on one of the three counties that he lost, right? On Oklahoma County? Yeah. And right, and Did he lose Oklahoma County? Yeah. So he lost Oklahoma County, he lost Cleveland County, and Muskogee. So... So she hired his campaign team to run her campaign that centered on a county that he lost. So I think it's going to be really curious, you know, just so that, to see what the climate is like in twenty twenty. But but the other thing I think I think that I think that I think that the easy take is that like oh this is for the Republican primary. I don't know that in CD five that it helps her as much in the in the Republican primary. There are certainly people that are certainly people that are very enthusiastic, but I can tell you. So I spoke to now this is off the cuff. These are people that I know personally. And these are people that are interested in politics, right? Like they want to know kind of who's running and they think about who they vote for, but they don't get on Twitter. They don't follow it at the level that like you or I do or that that some of us do. Um, but I said, hey, did you hear that, you know, Senator Bice like had announced that she's running? And they said, oh, who? And she's she's this district. And I said, yeah. And I said, did you see her announcement? And I showed them her announcement speech or her announcement kind of right. tweet. And I mean, their initial reaction was not, great like they were kind of like and these are these are both women that are um they're professionals they live in northwest oklahoma city that's where they kind of live and work around and they were like oh that's that's not a great look was their was their analysis right i don't know if that's going to be i don't know if that's representative or not i think the reason that's important to note is because that demographic is who she has to win because I think you can make a strong case that that's the demographic that Congresswoman Horn won on. Yeah. So I think the other interesting point is that I think a lot of people who would have been potential supporters had – so like had um, Stephanie Bice run against Steve Russell two years ago or last year, I guess, whenever that was. Um, I think she would have had a lot of folks get behind her, right? Especially if Kendra hadn't run. Like I think – uh, Stephanie would have garnered a lot of support from both sides of the aisle, um, even against someone of her own party. Obviously, she wouldn't do that for political reasons, but I think she would have been she would have had a more effective race against him and could have beat him in the primary, honestly. Um, and I, I think the tone of this message um, hit a lot of uh, more centrist folks on both sides of the aisle a little weird. Um, and I, I'm sure she's bummed about that but i and i understand that i think that probably had to be the case because she was trying to appeal to members of her base which are t- 
typically going to be more conservative. Sure. I mean, and just and just for me, like the reason that it, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons that it didn't resonate with me. One, I mean, I'm a Democrat, right? Like that's, I mean, I've said on, on the show, right? Like that's, don't try to hide that. I'm sure it comes out. <laughs> the no, stuff I say. Not a closet damn <laughs> over there. Right, especially what? I, what? right, especially after a couple glasses of whiskey. But and I like and I like Stephanie and I respect her and she's done some good things in the Senate. I shouldn't call her Stephanie because we've met a few times. I don't have the relationship with her that I do that, that you do. I you know I like I like Senator Bice, but I think looking at this, I I'm like I kind of evaluate it in the same way that I evaluate like. There's a lot of candidates that are running for the Democratic nomination for president right now, right? Like there's like 22 people in the field. And I can tell you one of the first things that I look for when I'm kind of trying to decide, like, who do I get behind? Are you running against President Trump? Are you running for something? Sure, sure. Right. Well, and that's like, yeah. And I and I do if you don't like stand for something. You'll fall for anything. Well, and you and you and I have talked about this. Like we talked about it on the show. And we've talked about it in private in our like never-ending text stream. But like, I think that people, I think that most people are susceptible to being scared. Mm-hmm. But I think nearly everyone wants to be inspired. Mm. Mm. Right. Like yeah. that's what we. That's, that's what fair. we want, mm-hmm. right? And that and that's true on the right. It's true on the left, right? People didn't vote for Barack Obama because they were scared of John McCain or Mitt Romney. I mean, I think maybe some did, but they voted for him because he inspired them. That's people a, didn't vote for wow. people didn't vote for Reagan because they were afraid of Jimmy Carter. They voted for Reagan because they were inspired at the idea of his leadership. Yeah, but I am Scott. I am blown away at this realization i just had about so i've seen a bunch of maps and data about the trends of elections over the last 50 years 60 years right i'm uh, you've read this book i'm reading called um uncivil agreement that kind of tracks some of that it's a really great book you should everyone everyone should read it but um it's getting the author on the show is one of our never-ending to-dos yes we're gonna do that um but think back to those elections right so between honestly I, I i will say this um as a registered independent now, but um, as I was a Republican when Obama ran, um, the first time at least, um, I, the election, an election, even today, between Obama, McCain, and um, Romney, the tone of that feels potentially inspiring to a degree that I think we've forgotten in this country, right? Um, the The other election... Um, but just like there were things about Romney that were inspiring things about McCain that were right. certainly inspiring. Right. What happened, man? Like right. we, I, I agree that Obama was um, perhaps more inspiring than, than those guys. And um, I admit that I voted for him both times, but like it's what did I'm, I'm literally boggled. My mind is boggled right now thinking about hearing the idea of like McCain, and uh, what's her face? Sarah Palin. Yes. Them like running against uh, Obama and Biden and then both trying to cast their vision for America is so far gone right. from where our country is right now. Right. That's, I think, what our country misses. Certainly many people miss Obama, um, but like I miss just the general rhetoric of like this guy's bad, but in this different way. But not like the pure, like pure D hatred of 
stuff that we we have going on right now. Yeah, and that's what and that's what the, you know. Think from, about that. From like no, I mean you're a hundred you're a hundred percent right, and I think that's what that's what I. And you know the other the other part of this we 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 are uh, there was another announcement today. Um, so Senator Bice is not the only person who is not the only person who's uh, running in the primary. Uh, Terry Nice, um, who is a, a local businesswoman and kind of long time I, w- I don't want to say operative, but like she's worked in Republican politics for a long yeah, time. Yeah, she's been around. Uh, Mick Cornette. There's always the you know the the perennial speculation of whether Mayor Mick is going to get in the race. I guess. I, you know, I hope, I guess I would like to, I would like to see just like in the Republican, just like in the Democratic primary for a presidential nominee, I would like to see the race take on the tone of like where you want to take the country, not just why President Trump is wrong, right? Like Lord knows you want to get me started on why President Trump is wrong. I'll give you a thousand reasons, but like, I don't want to vote for someone just because they like hate Trump the most, right? Or like they make me the most afraid of what another four years of President Trump means. I want to vote for someone that casts a vision for me of where the country, like not just where the country should go, but like where the country can go. Yes, Like someone who wants to bring us forward. And I think that that's what we should demand of our leaders, right? Like if you honestly think that Kendra Horn is a far left socialist who like worships at the altar of Nancy Pelosi, then I guess you can come out and say that. Like if that's what you think, but if that's a tactic to generate votes, like is that reflective of the candidate or of the voters? I mean both, but I think that, I think that part of your job of the, I think part of, I mean, I guess you can take two approaches as a candidate, right? You can try and think what do the voters want to hear and say that, or you can say, I'm going to convince the voters that my vision is the right one, All right. whether that's what they want to hear or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I hope that that's what we, I think that's what we should demand of our politics on either side of the aisle. And so as we look at the next 18 months of the Republican primary and then the general election in congressional district five, I hope that's what we see. Um, I worry that in the current political climate, it won't be, but I hope, that it is mm-hmm. and um if senator bikes wants to come on the show and talk about this i would like i would I'd love, love it to, yeah i'd love to have her on so um she's a big proponent of liquor laws we can invite her here to yeah and that's and that's the other thing is like she's done she really has i mean she's done some good things in the senate like she was the she was she spearheaded um the alcohol modernization laws she's um you know certainly you can say that she's worked across the aisle like she's got she's carried bills she has carried uh democratic bills in the senate she's asked asked democrats to carry her bills yeah in the house so like that's like you know no, people want to they all want to be like oh that we're on the same team and it's like no we're not on the same team but it's okay we can get along right like that's the thing you don't have to be on the same team to like fight with i don't know dignity yeah yeah that works all right well let's um on that note, so yeah, you mentioned that uh, Terry Nice entered the race. Um, Mick Cornett may or may not. Um, we will. We've got 18 months to speculate about that. Scott and I are perpetually contemplating the idea of a national politics podcast, but for now, we're going to stay focused here on the state level. Um, a couple of other highlights we do want to make about the past week. Uh, today, the House Bill 1018, which is the HIV education. Um, mandate update. We've mentioned that before on here. It has not been updated since 1987, and a whole lot has changed in the past 32 years. Uh, and so, or 30, yeah, 32 years. 
So that passed the Senate floor today. It has only one more procedural vote before it goes uh, to Governor Stitt's desk for signature. As someone who has worked in the HIV field for a third of that time, that is tremendously exciting. This is a huge step. Even President Trump has said that he wants to end the HIV epidemic in America, and we are working towards that here in Oklahoma, I am proud to say. I can talk all day about stats for that. Um, also this week, uh, a bill that was at least co-authored by um, Senator Kay Floyd, right, uh, about consent. Um, in addition, so you know, Oklahoma historically and, and now teaches abstinence education in their sex ed, um, which is indeed true. It is perhaps not adequate, but it is true that the best way to prevent pregnancy and STDs is just to not do it. Um, not going to do it. However, people do it. <laughs> they get pregnant, they get STDs. So um, this also adds to that a level of consent education, teaching students what consent actually means, which is very important. Um, you should not going to do it. Uh, you should not do it unless you have consent of the other party. It should be a consensual thing. So um, that's uh, really great. Um, uh, House Bill 1003-1003, that is the bill we discussed a few weeks ago about environmental self-policing. That is where um, businesses... Um, it, it, it passed, uh, which is maybe not what we hoped. From was my, sent to the governor. I'm not. I don't know that he signed it yet. He hasn't signed it, but I'm, it passed yesterday. But I'm sure he will. Um, it basically would it. It kind of erodes the Open Records Act. Basically, it supposedly incentivizes businesses to audit themselves about how their business is harming the environment, um, because it it incentivizes them by keeping it private. Um, and as we said in the show, um, in our opinion, we don't have to incentivize someone it to do the right like thing. It seems like a terrible idea. Right. Why do we have to incentivize businesses to do the right thing? Why not just tell them, don't pollute, and if you do, you're going to get busted for it, and we're going to fine you. And and that's the case, right? So, um, And also, try to run your business and be as ecolog ecologically friendly as you can. I know that sometimes profit is at the other expense of that, but... I'm sorry I was distracted. That's fine. I just was notified that there's an Instagram account that's um, for male of the husky. Who? She's a dog. Okay. <laughs> a, um, very, a very cute dog. <laughs> um, and then two quick notes. Um, there's a state question last year about optometrists in big box stores that failed, but apparently those bills are making their way through the legislature again with very little fanfare. So, once again, yeah. sometimes the vote of the people doesn't seem to yeah. matter. Um, and then up next, starting any day now, we're really going to be close to the budget. They have said they're 80% the way there, or 90% the way there, which is a the number they made up in their heads. But they also said the last 10% requires 90% of the work, which makes you think, uh, so you're 80% there, so another 10% and then you'll start working on this it? This feels like a fraction math <laughs> problem and I'm not great at those. All right, so uh, on that note, let's wrap up. A couple of quick announcements. Don't forget that in just a week from now, a night to remember our adult prom fundraiser at 21C Museum Hotel. Tickets are reduced by 50% since last week. They are only $50 now. This is a fundraiser. 
But I'll tell you what, 50 bucks is cheap. That includes two drink tickets, and that alone is worth $22 right there. I did the math because I talked to the venue. Um, so half your price is going to pay for your booze. There'll be snacks as well. A DJ dancing, great photos. Scott and I will be there. We will be there. Bunch of folks. Um, hurry up, get your tickets. They're going soon. If you want to pre-order a boutonniere or corsage, you got to get it in before May 1st. Let's fix this okay.org slash prom for all those details. Um, next Wednesday, excuse me, Wednesday after next, May 8th, will be our next Capitol Day. That is going to be Child Advocacy Day at the Capitol. We are partnering with OICA, the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy. Um, for that, there is a luncheon as well. If you'd like to come to the luncheon, um, it is free, but there is a recommended donation of $100. Bonus, you get to go to the governor's pool house basically and walk by the big Oklahoma shaped pool which I think is kind of awesome I haven't seen the Oklahoma shaped pool I'll take a selfie and post it because it's it's that's uh, new on my bucket list is to get to have a we need a let's fix this pool party at, at the, the governor's mansion that would be legit you can make that happen indeed alright for those in the healthcare um, or interested in healthcare Oklahoma Policy Institute um, they had the rally that was yesterday so that was that's yesterday old announcement that's off the script all right, well, on that end, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us for a little over an hour. Have a great week. We'll see you next week with an appropriately length episode.